0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
2: Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, politics, and identity. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and you are listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm in the studio in the back of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, with my guest today, Yowande Komalafe. Hello.
3: <laughs> Hello.
2: Yowande was born in Berlin and raised in Lagos, Nigeria. She's a recipe developer, a food stylist, a photographer, and a culinary consultant. She's the owner of Four Salt Spoons Creative Space, and the creator of the dinner series, My Immigrant Food is... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. So happy that you're here, Ywanda. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, you have such an interesting background, so I think I'd, I'd love to start with that. I know you... We're born in Berlin, but not raised in Berlin.
3: Yeah, so we left, um, my parents met in Berlin as students. My older brother and I were born there, and we moved back to Nigeria when I was three, he was five. So your parents
2: are Nigerian, but they were living in Berlin. They are from Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah, they're
3: both Nigerian, they're both Yoruba. And they met there because my grandmother was living in Berlin teaching, oh. which is kind of crazy to think about. Like she was living in Berlin in the sixties and like teaching.
2: Oh, that is know. really interesting. Like um, before the wall came. Yeah, down. before the wall
3: came. I know. Like my parents have all these stories of like crossing the borders and like.
2: Really, my, I would be so interested. Do you know any of them? I I mentioned to you before the show. I lived in Berlin for three months. Um, about a year and a half ago. And I was constantly just trying to picture what that would have been like.
3: It was crazy because my birth certificate says West Berlin. Mm-hmm. So it was still divided yeah. at that time. And I remember sometime in the 80s, I think. All right. I'm 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 actually not sure what date, what the wall came down. But it was like 89. Yeah. So I remember my mom watching it and crying. And oh. I like I had no concept of like what that was about. But I just remember her, like, I can't believe the wall's coming down. Yeah. Um, So so they have all these stories of, like, them living there before the wall came down.
2: Wow. And it's it's really crazy because you can... There's a good chunk of the wall is still standing Mm -hmm. and it's turned Mm -hmm. into... It's an art gallery. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these panels and they all are... They're murals. Um, And people talk about how there was... um, police on on both sides yeah, on and if you attempted sides. to cross it like if you ch- tried to climb over it and go to the other side they would shoot you yep. and there was dogs yeah. that yeah. would come at you and yeah. it's just yeah. so terrifying yeah. just to, to think in, about.
3: incredibly terrifying and to think that my parents were living there right. as immigrants as like african immigrants oh my god in berlin like experiencing i wonder what that experience was like but yeah
2: i think it would be hard to be an african immigrant in berlin today i mean just
3: because it's not that diverse yeah yeah, I, didn't, I haven't been back, yeah. um, so I can't, I, I don't have stories of going back and knowing exactly mm-hmm. what it's like, but um, yeah, I'm sure it is. I
2: actually got re- introduced to like a small Rastafarian community that's living Interesting. there. Interesting.
3: Huh. Yeah,
2: there's like a cool, small, like vibe that's yeah, happening. Yeah, so. and I,
3: I know some, some of the people my parents went to college there with stayed, mm. so like I know there's a, there's still a Nigerian community there of sorts, But um, but yeah, I haven't been back, so... Well, that's, that's a trip Come back, to happen After
2: that happens, come back and we'll absolutely, talk about it absolutely. Yeah,
3: um, so you moved to Nigeria So we moved back Alaska's. to Lagos, Lagos. Ni- Nigeria mm-hmm. um, And I grew up there, I, I lived there until I was 16 So I went to elementary school, high school um, And then I moved here to the United States for college And I've been here ever since. Well, what made you want to leave Nigeria and come here for college? You know, so it was always my parents left Nigeria to go to college. And I think they really Mm. enjoyed that experience. And so it was always a thing that we were going to do as well. Um, It was like we were going to go to Europe. It was like between going to Europe or like coming to the United States. And we picked the United States because my parents had experienced Europe, so we wanted some, some other type of experience. Yeah. But yeah. And we had family here. We had more family here than we had in, in England or in Berlin.
2: I read that you didn't cook much when during your childhood, um, but you started cooking after you moved to the United States. But what kind of what was like the food culture like when you were growing up? Did your did your mom or your dad cook a lot?
3: Yeah, so my mom's actually a food scientist. So oh. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so I didn't do much cooking growing up because she was always the one in the kitchen. I would mm-hmm. help her and I think a lot of my love for food and for like the recipe development process comes from her. Um, but I didn't do much cooking growing up, and it wasn't until I moved here that I realized that I was interested in food. So I actually, before I went to college, I had the choice to go to culinary arts school, and I talked to my parents about it, and they're like, "No, you should go get a real degree," as like most African parents are. Right. But um, and and most it, parents. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I guess most parents in general. But um, but yeah. So we went to. I'm or I'm sorry. I decided to go to college first and got a degree and then moved right to culinary art school because that was always a passion of mine like I always loved food I probably didn't have the words for it at that point but I knew that I wanted to have a career in food and when I moved here and realized like you could actually you could be a chef like you could work as a chef and make it your career I decided to do that.
2: Is, so why was that a surprise to you like how was that different from from Lagos in Nigeria?
3: I think that um, cooking was, was never really thought of as a job. It was something mm. that you did. It was like a way of life. Um, so I, I think when growing up, thinking of jobs and careers, it was like you were a scientist, you were a lawyer, you were a doctor, like very academic-based careers. Right, um, like your
2: mom was in food, but she was a food scientist. But she was a
3: food scientist, and yeah. my dad was like an engineer. So yeah. like that never... That never I, I just never realized that you could have a creative um, career and have that as like a job that would support you.
2: Yeah. I also like that like every seventh word, your accent comes out. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like very subtle and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, when you moved to the United States and you went to college, wh- what did that feel like? Was it
3: like a shocking experience to come here? You know, here? I, I don't remember that experience. You just blacked because, out? You know, I think <laughs> exactly. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll try to remember it. So I remember moving here, but I think that because I moved here so young, I was sort of just doing what I was told to do. It was like, you're going to go to the United States and you're going to go to college. And and so like I, I felt like that time of my life was just a period where I was doing what I was told. It was like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I was doing it without really considering. Like, if that was me now, I would, I would like, scrutinize every single angle of it and, like, try to consider, like, well, what if I did this? But, like, it, at that time, I think that it was just something that I was doing. It wasn't this—if I tried to make a move now and move to another country— Like, that would be a huge thing. But at that time, I just felt like it was something I was doing. Like, I I never stopped for a moment to, like, consider it. Hmm. So you never
2: felt kind of self-conscious as an outsider?
3: Not. I feel like that came later. Like, that came as I acclimated. And that came as I, like... That came with maturity as well, I think. Um, But at that time, it was... It was it was all very new, and I was taking in so much that there was never the moment where I stopped to consider.
2: Right, like you were just too present. To kind yeah, of step like of I was exactly
3: I was, I was, and I don't think it was until it wasn't until like I had a moment to just settle into my life that I started to think about like being an immigrant or like yeah. you know like what does that mean like oh my god I'm doing the same thing my mom did at sixteen she moved to England I moved here you know it's And started good to, hear to make that no that,
2: one pointed that out to you to the, you know, like no one made you feel that way or maybe you were just oblivious.
3: I I know. I was probably just (laughs) oblivious to it. Um, Where did you go to college? I went to the University of Maryland in Baltimore County. I mean,
2: that's yeah, that's real Um, different than Africa.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Like my first experience was actually moving here to live with an aunt in Newark, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, holy shit, like I moved here by myself and you know, I was like taking the bus by myself and like doing all these things that I n- had never done before. Taking the
2: bus still scares
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in New York for 15 years. <laughs> I, I totally still have a reaction to taking the bus, yeah. but like, you know, there were all these things that I was doing and I was, I was really just acting and not really considering what I was doing.
2: Right. Um, so, so let's talk about when you started to cook. Yes. When when was that, and what what sort of shifted for you that you realized so that, that was something I, you wanted to do?
3: Hmm. So I, I think I've always baked. Mm-hmm. Like I, that has always been something that, that I. That makes so much did. sense to
2: me, having a science background.
3: Yeah, now I can't it,
2: bake at all. And it's <laughs> just that part of my brain that I just can't. It's access. a part of
3: your brain, absolutely. Yeah. But I also like to think that everybody can do most things in mm-hmm. life. <laughs> and you're like giving me a look Mm. um but no so I've I've always baked so I went to school and I started as a biochem major I realized really quickly that I hated chemistry so I became a biology major and then realized that I still hated chemistry and I still needed it so I became a psychology major Mm -hmm. with like a minor in biology but um after college I decided that like I really wanted to, like, see what this food thing was all about. So I immediately, like, enrolled myself in a culinary arts program at the local school there. Um, I needed a certain number of hours working in a restaurant, and I went to a Nigerian restaurant. In on purpose. It, on purpose. Well, <laughs> well, because I knew that, like, I, I knew the food. I was comfortable with it. And I'm amazed it, that
2: there was a Nigerian there restaurant. There was,
3: and it still exists, too. It's wow. called Paige's Kitchen, and it's, it's in Baltimore, Maryland. So I went there and like got the hours that I needed. I worked there with, with um, the family who runs it, who are still dear friends of mine. But um, So I think in, in college, I, I baked throughout college. After college was my first experience like working in a restaurant. And then I enrolled in culinary arts school. And it all sort of just made sense to me. Like, I think college was a sort of a blind experience where I was just doing what I was told. That you don't but remember. yeah, like, but I don't remember, um, and not even for all the great reasons. <laughs> and most people don't remember college. But um, after college, I went to culinary arts school, and I felt like that was one decision that I made that was like mine. It was like, I want to cook, and like, this is what I'm doing for myself. And I feel like after. After culinary art school and after my experience there, like, feeling like I knew what I was doing and, like, I was getting good grades and I was, like, at the top of all my classes. That experience, like, sort of enabled me to, like, look at the restaurant industry and say, like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was really the turning point, I think, when I enrolled in culinary arts school. Um, and cooking at the Nigerian restaurant,
2: did that... It seems like it sort of unlocked something for you in terms of you know you going on and trying to really explore the food of your heritage. What what would what did it evoke for you being in that space? Did it make you really nostalgic or or miss you know the food you'd grown up with?
3: Um, it definitely made me miss the food I'd grown up with. Um, it also. It made, like, for some reason, I always, I never thought of Nigerian food as something that you could make in America. Like, I never thought of, like, the ingredients that we use in Nigerian cooking as something that could be found here. Before you went to that restaurant? Before I went to that restaurant. So, like, going to that restaurant was just like, how, like, I kept asking so many questions, like, where do you find palm oil? Like, where do you find, um, you know, like fermented locust bean. Like I didn't know that they had this here. Was it so comforting to have that? Did it feel
2: like you were at home?
3: It it felt like I was at home. And like to like end the shift and like have a big bowl of like rice and stew and like end my day with that, it definitely felt like home. But I think at that point too, I wasn't that removed from home. This was probably five years into living here. And I, I had gone back to Nigeria several times. Um, but I think the, the surprise for me was finding the ingredients that I found. Um, and that's sort of been a central thread now, even with Nigerian food. It's like I do so much work into like finding the ingredients that I want to cook Nigerian food with. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so
2: I read, you know, that getting into cooking and getting into food was a way to, for you to sort of tap into your heritage. And you kind of started to explore uh Nigerian food through a dinner series you created so I don't know you know what the the time last was like a 15
3: year break right so this
2: article kind (laughs) of made it seem like and then that happened yeah yeah so (laughs) I guess you can sort of like fast forward a little bit yes um or I guess talk about like the thread line from the the time that you worked at the Nigerian food and you got really into like cooking that that food of your heritage to creating your dinner series, um, which is inspired
3: by your immigrant upbringing? Yeah, definitely inspired by it. Um, So I I feel like there was like a 15-year break where I just kind of went fine dining restaurants and worked in like French pastry shops and like, you know, fine dining restaurants and sort of learned the way food here is made. Um, from, like, a, a, a chef's perspective. And so, like, I worked at different restaurants. And in that, in that time, I felt like what was important to me was to learn how it's done here. Mm-hmm. And also in that time, I sort of created a distance between myself and, and my heritage because I, in the back of my mind, I knew that it was something that I could come back to, But I was more interested at that time in learning sort of, like, the ways of, like, the world that I had found myself in.
2: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You're here. You kind of want to take advantage of. Yeah,
3: exactly. And and so with my dinner series, it's sort of me returning to my heritage Mm -hmm. and, like, being interested in it more and, like, You know, finding that, like, it also intersects with my relationship with my parents because we've also been separated for so long. The things that we talk about now are, like, you know, I call my mom and I'm like, how do you make this? And it's, like, a a way for me to connect to it. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, part of my story is also being undocumented and not knowing that I would be able to go back. Mm -hmm. And so that part of it sort of kept me apart from from wanting to know about my food because there was that fear that like what mm. if i don't go back and and so it's it's all like the behaviors of anxiety that you take on as like an undocumented person or at least that's how it manifested for me.
2: Oh that's so interesting like because you were undocumented you were trying to distance yourself from from your nigerian heritage but part of that was even distancing yourself through the
3: food. It it was it was maybe not int- not trying to distance myself but like not knowing when i would like if if i didn't have to look at it then i don't miss it oh right type thing or that that's how i connected it because in my you didn't brain. know if you would ever because go like back. i didn't know if i i would go back or like
2: so it's not necessarily that you were trying to pretend that you weren't Nigerian. No,
3: it was more that I was trying to, it was my way of like coping with, of like... Like
2: push, pushing it away. To pushing,
3: Yeah, pushing it away. Oh. Um, and so the the dinner series is me, again, through food, finding my way back.
2: Reclaiming your time. Yes, reclaiming. <laughs> it's about
3: reclaiming, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so what inspired the dinner series? I mean, after 15 years, oh, what made so you want ma- so to get much. back? Yes. Tell me. <laughs> <So> <laughs> much. Tell us.
3: I mean, I, w- I would... The, the election was definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that I've lived in this country as an immigrant for as long as I have, and the, the portrayal of immigrants by this administration, knowing that I was one of the people that was being portrayed that way... Um, and so, like, I wanted, a platf- I wanted to create a platform where I could speak about these things because they were also things that had been so personal to me and to my experience. And I wanted to sort of, like, stand up and say, like, I'm also an immigrant and I'm standing in solidarity with all immigrants, you know, and I've experienced these things. And so, like, I, I wanted to create a platform to do that. And again, I go back to food. It's, like, one way I do that a safe way that I do that is through food
2: and it's what you know and it's and it's what I know exactly and it's how you communicate your story
3: absolutely absolutely so all of those things came together to become my dinner series it's also been a really great platform to collaborate with other people who are immigrants women chefs um and so I I wanted a place where people could feel comfortable enough to tell their stories um and, you know, it's, it's all about also just reclaiming my heritage and, like, like, I needed a place, like, I'm a recipe developer, so I'm, like, testing all these Nigerian recipes and, like, developing them. And it's great when it's just me tasting it, but, like, what does everybody else think about it? So I wanted a platform for that as well. So, yeah, so all of those things kind of, like, collaboratively worked to become the dinner series.
2: So what is it? I mean, do you, is it always you cooking and then you invite people to come?
3: Eat yeah. So it's, it's, it's primarily me cooking, but it's also me inviting people to cook with me. And like, it's, a, if, if you've ever cooked with, for like a dinner or like a, a, a um, like a, an event, part of the fun, like part of the, the great part of the, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm like, you're good. <laughs> the great part about it is the the prep work and like yeah. the stories that come doing prep and like you know, the day before, like in preparation for this dinner. So it's been uh it's a monthly dinner series. It's once a month. Um of, as at least for as long as I'm in town. So
2: it's still happening. So it's
3: it's still happening, but yeah. like I've been away for a while, so I haven't done one in a while. But it's it's just uh it's really just a space where people I invite about 20 to 30 people into my apartment and I serve them food. And we do things like put prompters on the menus as like questions or talking points for each table. And then we have like a general discussion afterwards. So that's, that's what, kind of... Are what, there themes, different themes for each one? Um, so, like, the different themes are, like, sourcing, ingredient sourcing. I'm really passionate about sourcing food and, like, ingredient sourcing. And I part like of the challenge... where you find Nigerian Yeah, where I find Nigerian ingredients. Or what's, what, do, what do I even consider Nigerian ingredients? Like, um, you know, so, so part of it is the story about where the ingredients come from. Um, I've been collaborating with a wonderful woman who runs a farm called Oko Farms. In Bushwick, and she, you know, she w- when we met, she said to me, she was like, "If you want, I can grow you what you need for your dinners." Wow. And th- yeah, which was just amazing. She's yeah. Been, I mean, she also happens to be Nigerian, so she's like, "I can grow like Nigerian herbs," you know. So, what so a yeah, telling that story about her and her farm in Bushwick um, through the menu or through like whatever I put on the menu, it's also there have been discussions about immigration Mm -hmm. you know like what's a good immigrant what's not a good immigrant Like Mm. people's like perception of immigrants you know sometimes I get like you don't look like an immigrant well what does an immigrant look like and you don't sound like an immigrant Uh, yeah you know it's like what does that mean Um, so like a a space to like answer questions like that but Mm -hmm. also find out what other people think like what are people saying you know because it's great when it's one on one but like what's like all these one on one opinions is what feeds into like the collective opinion you know um has it changed your relationship with
2: nigerian food now that you are cooking it and sourcing it yourself like as opposed to the way you were raised where you watched your mom prepare it and kind of not took for granted but it was sort of like it was there
3: i think huh has it changed my relationship with nigerian food it's made me think it's more amazing. Mm. You know, the things that the limits to which I could push it. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz I I feel like the way I approach Nigerian food is so inspired by my background in food, my background as an immigrant, you know, my background growing up there. So, it's the the way I cook Nigerian food is not the way my mom cooks Nigerian food yeah. or it's not the way like my grandmother cooked Nigerian food. It's very um, inspired by my training as a chef yeah so it's it's made me pleasantly surprised at the ways in which I could push it
2: yeah is that yeah. um is the food that you cook at this point like the Nigerian food but you cook it your way is that your food
3: very much so yeah, yeah. like you've
2: been I mean you've lived in different places in different countries and yeah. also in different cities in the United States and yeah. you've been yeah through culinary school and worked at so many different restaurants like Mm -hmm. is that the food that you cook all the time
3: absolutely it's very inspired by by those experiences um so i i i go through this process where i start with a base recipe and then i sort of like tease it apart and or like push the limits of it and see like well this thing is you know my mom takes it and like boils it and and you know serves it like that but maybe I can boil it and like smash it into puree and like spread it out on a sheet pan and like roll it up or you know so I approach Nigerian food from a very like I guess playful perspective mm-hmm. or you know if I can't get yams here can I use sweet potatoes instead if it, you know there's also that substitution going on where it's like if I can't get the ingredients that I know are available in Nigeria what are the ingredients that could use a substitution? yeah
2: has cooking Nigerian food here changed your relationship, like, with your mom? like Or, like, the way you think about her? Or absolutely. even the way you think about
3: Africa? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my mom inspired me to get into food. You know, I grew up in test kitchens because of her. You know, I, I knew that that was a thing because of her. She worked um, for Cadre's Chocolates growing up. And so we were all, always surrounded by, like, good ingredients and she was constantly reading recipes or like the back of like a package to see what was in it you know so growing up around those behaviors and like around my mom doing things like that even if I didn't immediately go to that place I came there somehow because I had seen her doing it um so yeah it's very inspired by my mom and it's I think it's improved our relationship Mm -hmm. because there's so much common ground. Even though you're so far away. Even though we're so far away, yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us, stay with you on day, and we'll be back. The following
1: program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit TabardIn.com.
2: Hey, you're listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and my guest today is Ywanda Komolafe. We've been talking about her upbringing in Lagos, Nigeria, and her food dinner or her dinner series, um, which is inspired by her upbringing in Nigeria and conversations about what it's like to be an immigrant in the United States. Um, so, food has has played a big role in your life um, kind of as like a, a form of resistance through the dinner series but I know that it it's also you've been involved in other organizations and other sort of like restaurant happenings can you talk a little bit about how you've used food in, in different ways since the election?
3: Um, hmm. I think food has always been for me an avenue for understanding things um, so for like you know the the one of the first introductions to different cultures could be through food so i think that i've used food to try to understand or to try to get to know other cultures um, and i think that that's yeah that's that's a, that's a very basic yeah. perspective and that's sort of like my lens to to the outside world yeah. It's usually through food
2: it's like the food activism that's happening or that has happened um, since the election just like all forms of sort of like artistic activism that I've taken yeah I mean that that really is like the silver lining of it Um, and I saw that you were involved with a dinner series called Right to Know yeah it's um, for uh, undocumented yes. restaurant workers. Yes,
3: yes, that was that was um, that actually happened just before the summer ended,
2: right? Yeah, I think so. It was in Philly, Yeah, right? it's,
3: it's based in Philly and it was I was um I was asked to to do a a menu item for the dinner in New York, which I actually didn't get to do, but oh, I yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I, I didn't get to do it, but I did attend the event.
2: Yeah, um and I know that focus specifically on like undocumented restaurant workers. Mm-hmm. And have you connected with any other organizations like that or like as an undocumented person, have you I mean it's it's like amazing to me that you're like so vocal about it.
3: Well, I'm only vocal now. Okay. You know, it's still something that I'm I'm learning how to talk about comfortably or like I'm I'm learning. I'm coming to um I'm actually not undocumented anymore. I recently got a green card, but um yeah, it's it's something And that's that why you feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah, like, and that's why I feel comfortable yeah, exactly that makes sense. and and so like I never really felt comfortable talking about it because there was a lot of anxiety surrounding that. Um and I'm I'm now learning how to talk about that experience. Yeah.
2: You know. Have you has anyone in the restaurant industry, like or in the food industry who's undocumented, like, reached out to you as someone um, I guess to confide in or as someone to get advice from like have you made yourself a resource in that way?
3: Yes absolutely because I think that it's important to speak about these things um, as a resource for other people Mm -hmm. like I know that finding out about stories of other people made me more inspired to talk about it and and made me think like wow can I curse? Yeah. (laughs) I was like holy Mm -hmm. shit like I'm not the only one you know and there's a, a there's something that happens when you're undocumented or when you go through things like that, that you use, or I personalized it. Like it, it was hard for me to imagine that there were other people out there experiencing what I was experiencing. So I think it's important to talk about it because, and to be vocal about it, because there's so many other people that are going through it, you know? And it's important to to be a resource if you can, for other people to confide in and just be a support for other people.
2: And we're, we're seeing that happen with so many different movements right now. Like Mm -hmm. with the me too movement, like Mm -hmm. the more people are coming forward, Forward, you know, the more people are coming forward. So speaking out is very important. Um, When, how can we keep in touch with you and find out more about your dinner series for when you do it next?
3: So I am in the process of like finally getting a website and doing all that. But for now, my, Email address. Can I give my email on here? It's, that's up to you. Okay, yeah, t- totally. So yawande at foursaltspoons.com. And that's kind of how I contact people about the dinner and, like, email them the information on the dinner so there's a mailing list yeah and you're on
2: instagram and
3: i'm on instagram yawanda underscore i Kamala think that's Lafayette. how i stalked it you is. on instagram
2: <laughs> absolutely
3: yeah Instagram's a great way are you to do go. you
2: have something in mind for the next dinner series
3: i do so i'm actually pairing with yemi from oko farms oh in bushwick and we're going to do a dinner series she's been doing a lot of work like preserving and canning and jarring produce from the summer so a lot of the ingredients that I'm going to use will be based on what she's done over the summer
2: and are they at your home the dinner yes yeah. the dinners
3: are at my my home in, in Brooklyn in Williamsburg okay I'd like to Brooklyn. come of course I'll email you then <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I will email you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um,
2: Yuana, thank you so much for coming on the show today it was so interesting to hear about your upbringing and it's, it's inspiring to hear how you're, you're using food as resistance and as a way to share your stories And yeah, it was just really nice to, to learn, to meet you and to learn about that. Thank you all for listening to Food Without Borders. We'll be here next week, Wednesday at 7 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org. And you can check out the show archived on the website and also on iTunes and Stitcher. See you next week.